1: We are exploring the blessings that are poured out on the martyrs, those that are under the altar here in Revelation chapter 6. Join us for Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner next. They're crying out with a loud voice, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, this is the cry of the martyrs found under the altar here when the fifth seal is opened. Now, unlike the first four seals found here in Revelation chapter 6, this is a seal of blessing, not a seal of judgment. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner continues our survey of Revelation. We are in Chapter 6. Join us there, won't you, with today's broadcast from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's Pastor Gary.
0: There is coming a time in which God's Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. He will even pour out the Holy Spirit on the male And female servants. And on that very day. You will see. Displays of wonder in the sky. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. And the moon will become like blood. Before the great and awesome day. Of the Lord comes. Now he's already used this language. With reference to Egypt. With reference to Babylon. With reference to Edom. And not one time. Has it been taken literally? So what he is saying is, judgment has cleared the way. And once judgment has cleared the way, there is coming a time in which I am going to pour out my spirit upon my faithful people, and it will be a spectacular display of my glory. The world will not have seen anything as spectacular as the pouring out of my spirit on my people. The sun will go out. The moon will be turned to blood. The stars will fall and all of the rest before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And when is this great and awesome day? It is when God pours out his spirit upon his people. Now let's look and see if I'm telling the truth. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Here you have the great day of Pentecost. 120 disciples are in Jerusalem. And notice what it says first in chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now Christ is alluding to what was said at his baptism when John the Baptist said, I can baptize with water. But there is coming one after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And and Jesus says, this is the fulfillment of what John the Baptist talked about back at my baptism. John said, in essence, all I can do is sprinkle a little water on your head. But the Messiah is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I'll read through chapter 5 again. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. <clears throat> and when in the day of Lord of the day of Pentecost come they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and they saw what was going on and they said these people are drunk that's the only thing they could think of Verse 13, but others were mocking and saying, they're filled with sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. Why? Was it because they were teetotalers? No, it is because it was only nine o'clock in the morning, verse sixteen. But this is what was spoken of through the, the prophet Joel. He says, "You want to know what this is? Here it is." And then he quotes the passage we read a moment again, a moment ago from Joel. Listen here in Acts. <clears throat> chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 17 through 21. This is a quote from what we read ago in Joel 2. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. And I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." He is saying, he says, what is happening now is what Joel prophesied. That the day of the Pentecost is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And he says it is going to be such a great display of God's glory. That the lights are going to go out for someone. The church is going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's going to transform and mature the church. But someone is going to experience judgment on that day as well. Someone is going to be baptized with fire. Because on that day, verse 19, there will be wonders in the sky above, blood, fire, and vapors of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord will come. Now let me ask you, On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people, did the sun go out? Did the moon turn to blood? The answer is, of course, no. Just like every other place prior to this, this is not literal language. This is spectacular language. And the day of Pentecost was so spectacular, not only in the maturing of the church with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, but by the pouring out of God's wrath pretty soon on apostate Jerusalem, on that great and glorious day of the Lord, when he comes to bring his judgment upon apostate Judaism. So here you see the church receive the baptism of the Spirit. An apostate Jerusalem was to receive a baptism of fire, the display of God's judgment that would lead to the end of the state of Israel in 70 A.D. The sun going out, the moon turning to blood, did not literally happen, and that is not the point. The point is that God's destruction of Jerusalem was spectacular in bringing it to an end. Now turn to Matthew 24. Remember, we studied the revelation of... We, studied, we started the study of Revelation 6 last week in Matthew 24. And we saw that the first 34 verses deal not with the second coming, but with the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Remember, that was Jesus' concern. In verses 1 and 2, Jesus says, This temple... We are looking at, right now, there is coming a day when it will be destroyed. Not one stone will be left upon another. The apostles go away to think about it. and They come back and they ask, tell us when this will happen. And when is the sign of your coming at the end of the world? Because in their confused mind... They could not imagine a time when there wouldn't be a temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus hadn't said a thing about the end of the world. All he was talking about was the collapse of the temple. So now he goes through the first 34 verses and explains the signs of the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And then beginning with verse 36, with that very strong contrasting conjunction, but of that day, he talks about the second coming. We know that the previous 34 verses deal with the fall of Jerusalem because, number one, Jesus says in verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation that I am looking at, Will not pass away until all of these things take place. What I have just described will take place in the first century. But of that day and that hour, no one knows. He is speaking of the second coming. So, in the first part of Matthew 24, he talks about wars and rumors of wars, verse 8. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs or birth pains. Verse 6, the end is not yet. Verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those in Judea flee to the mountains, If this was speaking of the second coming, fleeing to the mountains wouldn't help. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in the house. Whoever is in the field, don't turn back. In other words, this is a local situation and it is terrible. You better get out of Judea and head for the hills when you see the abomination of the desolation. Now turn to Luke 21, where he records the same conversation, the same teaching of Jesus, but instead of saying the abomination of desolation, he says, when you see the Roman armies surrounding Jerusalem, know that your desolation is at hand. So Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in 70 A.D., But what is difficult for some people is verse 29. Because verse 29 refers to the fall of Jerusalem as well. But because they assume it is all to be taken literally, uh, they're confused. Why is this not about the second coming? But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Now what tribulation? Well, remember in verse 21, for then, that then identifies when the tribulation will take place, when you see the armies of Rome surrounding Jerusalem, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now nor ever will. So it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, in other words, as a result of this. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the earth will be shaken. Now, you see, that is all in capitalized letters. And he is quoting and alluding to the other times these words were used. And it wasn't literal with reference to Egypt. It wasn't literal with reference to Babylon. It wasn't literal with reference to Edom. It wasn't literal with reference to the Pentecost. And we have no reason to believe it is here. It is referring to the result of the Roman armies desolating Israel and the great tribulation. Lights out for apostate Israel. Verse 30. Then when? after the tribulation, after the Roman armies have destroyed Jerusalem and the Jewish culture comes to an end and the Jews wander over the earth for the next 2,000 years. Then the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel of the earth or land, Palestine, will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Now remember, Clouds have reference to the glory cloud, that great display of God's glory and power. The various tribes of the land will mourn when they see Christ coming by his providence, displaying his glory and power in the destruction of Jerusalem. But now, here is the problem people have. And then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Now, whoever translated that line... Must have been a premillennialist because he didn't get it right, beloved. What does it say in the New American Standard Version? And then the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And what you get from that is that sometime there's going to be a sign in the sky of the Son of Man, and when that sign appears in the sky, all of the tribes will mourn for the coming. Of the Son of Man. Well, here is what it says in Greek. And you just got to trust me on this one. I actually got this from Greg Bonson, who was well versed in Greek. It says, And then the sign will appear of the Son of Man in heaven. So it is not that the sign is in the sky, you know, keep your eyes on the sky, the pre-mills say. But it is the Son of Man who is in heaven at God's right hand. And there is going to be a sign that Jesus is reigning from heaven. And what is the first great sign that Christ reigns after his ascension? It is the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It happened just like he said. That is the first great sign that the Son of Man does in fact rain from heaven. <coughs> now let's look at one more passage. Go to Revelation chapter 6 again. I'm trying to show you where you get this great description, where it where it comes from. Verse 12 of chapter 6. <coughs> I looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black, as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. We have seen those words used over and over now in the Old Testament, and never literally. Kings hide themselves in the rocks and the caves. We saw that referred to. Verses 16 and 17. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Now when is the great day of the wrath of the Lamb and the one who sits on the throne that is inescapable. Turn to Luke 23, and I'll begin reading with verse 26. Luke 23, verse 26. And when they led him away, that is, Jesus to be crucified, they laid hold of a man, Simon of Cyrene, "...coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them on his way to the cross, said, "'Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children.'" For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the womb that never bore and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? He's saying to the women, Watching him being taken to be crucified, Cry for yourselves, and for your children there in the first century. Because there will be such devastation come upon this land that the people will cry out to the mountains, Fall on us! Let us escape the day of the wrath of the Lamb, which will not be possible. So the great day of the wrath of the Lamb was again the fall of Jerusalem. The day of the Lord is not used exclusively for the second coming of Christ, but is used for any day that God acts in judgment against His enemies and for the deliverance of His people. Christ will have His day against all nations that disregard His rule over them, unless, like Nineveh, they repent. The Lamb will Restore his order upon this earth. Pray that God would hasten the day when the nations of the earth will say, as the pagan Julian, the apostate emperor of Rome said, in his death, thou hast conquered, O Galilean. My prayer is that the sun will not go out, the moon will not turn to blood, the stars will not fall and the sky will not roll up in America. But if she persists in her rebellion and her defiance like apostate Israel, like anti-Christian Rome, it will be, beloved, lights out for America. Amen. And in the event that America will not repent And God thus must set free his judgment upon our country. Make sure that right now you are doing everything possible to prepare prepare yourself spiritually. And your family for that day when the stars will fall. And when people try to escape to the caves to hide. And your family from the day of the wrath of the Lamb on this country. Oh, earnestly pray. That America will repent as did Nineveh. And make sure that you and your family are safe in the hands of our covenant God. And rejoice that God will tolerate no obstacle in the advance and establishment of his kingdom here on earth. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these wonderful lessons from the opening of the Seven Seals. Thank you that we are able to see how the Bible interprets itself so that we won't impose our own views and help us to repent and work toward the repentance of our culture so it will not come to an end as did apostate Israel and anti-Christian Rome and Babylon and Edom. Amen.